Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Well, howdy everyone. I grew up in the 70s and 80s, went to college in the 90s, and you may know this Uh, Back in the 90s, there was no social media. Actually, one of my first classes in college was on the World Wide Web. So one of the scariest things about college was not knowing who your roommate was going to be. Oh my gosh, right? The horror stories of living with some rando, like random person in a confined space for a year? This is crazy. And so what you would do back then is you would wait for a letter in the mail that would list the name of your roommate, where they were from, and the phone number that you could dial them up to maybe get to know them before you would go. And it was super scary, right? Because 50-50 chance, you're gonna have some total weirdo. Or maybe they'll be like the greatest person ever. Or maybe I'm a total weirdo, and they're a great person, right? So like maybe you're the weirdo, maybe you're the not the weirdo, but it's like really scary, intimidating to wonder, who am I going to spend the next year of my life living next to in 10 by 10 space. Or think about your neighbors in your apartment complex or your condo association, your neighborhood. You know, when you find out who your neighbor is gonna be, you might be really excited to get to know them because they're really cool or they might be complete losers, right? And it's like, it's this balance of who's living next to me. And if the person living next to you at your apartment complex or in your Neighborhood, if you find out they're leaving, you might be really excited because they're weird, or you might be really sad because you love them and you think they're great. But who's coming next, right, is the question. Like, who's going to be my next neighbor? Who's moving in next to me? Important question, because again, it could go really well or not so well. Because your roommate or your neighbor sees everything, right? I mean, everything, right? And if you didn't know this, They also hear everything. Your neighbors hear what's going on inside your house or your apartment. Your neighbors smell everything, right? I mean, this is a part of it. It's very intimate to have a roommate or a neighbor. It's very close, and they see and smell and know when you go, when you come, what you do late at night, what you're doing in the afternoon, right? Everything is on display. It's very intimate and honestly scary to find out you're getting a new neighbor, So Merry Christmas, you're getting a new neighbor. His name is Jesus, right? Like this is the Christmas story, that the world is getting a new neighbor. His name is Jesus. And he not only wants to move into your neighborhood, my neighborhood, he actually wants to move into my house, into my apartment. He wants to move into my life and have a front row seat to everything if I will allow him. And so what we've been doing as a church family over the last couple of weeks is getting a view of Christmas that's wider than the eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus in the manger, right? And sort of zooms out to see that Jesus, the word in the beginning, right? He was God and is God. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, right? Who was and is and is to come. And so when we back up and see him beyond just what takes place in the manger, we can celebrate like that Jesus is so much bigger than this baby thing, but the one who's going to come in the end to make all things right, so that when we look at him, we go, you know what? When I see Jesus, I see God. When I hear Jesus, 
I hear God. When I obey Jesus, I obey God. When I put my faith in Jesus, I'm putting my faith in God. And when we zoom out and see that bigger, wider angle lens, we have something so much more to celebrate that 2,000 years ago, he enters our neighborhood, but each and every day, he wants to actually enter our lives as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We live with him and he with us, and that's worth celebrating. So today we're going to kind of take it to the next step and look at John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 1, turn it on, open it up, love for you to follow along. John chapter 1, and we're just looking at one verse today, verse 14. So my wife and I, during the week, we like to go for walks together. And so one of the things that sort of happens sometime along the walk At some point during the week, my wife will say, hey, what you preaching this week? Because she knows that some of the things that I preach about, I hate. I'm just like you. You go, I got to go to work. Some days you hate going to work because you go, I don't really want to talk about this. Some days you love it. And so today, or this week, when she asked me around Tuesday, she's like, what are you preaching about? I'm like, John 114, I'm so excited. So if I'm excited, it started on Tuesday, buckle up, right? Because this is an incredible One verse that's so profound and full of Christmas celebration, but celebration that lasts far beyond Christmas. And actually what today, it's so short, let's do something together, whether you're online or joining us in the chapel here on the, in the center. We're going to actually read this together. And so I'm going to put this up on the screen. I'd like to read out loud together these words describing Jesus. Are you with me? Follow along. If you're online, you're with me too. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is God's word. Will you pray with me? Thanks, Father, for giving us your Son. Thank you for your Spirit. Thank you that you are eternal, that you are creator, that you are sustainer, that you chose to enter time and space to give us life and hope and peace, to live among us, to empathize with us, to be tempted like us, to understand our ups and downs, to grant us hope, light, peace, joy that lasts far beyond Christmas into every chapter, every season, every circumstance, every deep valley and every high mountain. Eternal God, Visit us today. Grow us and change us and comfort us and convict us and guide us. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's go through this piece by piece. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Very profound. Lots going on here. I want to slow down and kind of talk about three of these words and then kind of go back in after we look at these three words, then we'll go back in and see it in a wider head back one slide. The word, we're going to look at this word, word, we're going to look at the word flesh, and we're going to look at the word dwelling. So word, we kind of talked about this in the beginning as we opened up John chapter one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, not God's assistant, because the word was God. Right, And so this word is from the beginning, and the word word in Greek means all the power and the emotion and the thought 
behind an action. It's sort of a complex idea, but there's power, thought, vision behind an action. The word is this. So, so with God, he is eternally existent and his son with him at the entire time is the word. He is the power, emotion, and thought behind an action that God has creative creation thoughts and this word brings those about. He has redemptive thoughts and this word brings them about. He has restoration thoughts and this word brings these things about. Next word is flesh. Interesting, flesh is all the bones and the blood and the skin and the body, right? So as humans, we're made up of all these different composite parts. We have emotion, we have mental capacity, we have spiritual capacity, but we also have our physicality. The flesh is the bones, the blood, the sinews, the veins. It's all the sort of physicality of who we are. And what's incredible is, boy, a man and a woman come together and a a baby is formed in their mother's womb and this thing starts to grow and then shows up on planet earth and starts to grow and the flesh grows and the muscle grows and the bones grow and that flesh needs to be fed and that flesh gets tired and that flesh could get cut and that flesh could be healed and that flesh could get sick and that flesh goes through temptation and thirst and hunger and has all these physical body experiences. Flesh is all that physicality of our bodies. And this next word is dwelling, which just means tent. Think of camping, right? I hate camping. (laughs) It's like camping is you have this portable shelter that you set up, right? And you set up this shelter and you hope that it keeps all the rain out, right? And some people call this fun, right? All right, whatever. But you have this tent, this portable shelter that you set up for a moment or a season and you live inside it. Right, And so now you take all these three words and you go back to John 1, 14. The word, the eternal vision and thought and power and emotion of God who has always existed, the second person of the Trinity who is God and was with God from the beginning, became flesh, took on bones, skin, marrow, blood, sweat, hunger, some temptation, uh, can grow muscles, can muscles, can atrophy, can, can feel things and smell things and taste things. The eternal word of God takes on flesh and cries real tears and feels real things and touches and smells and sweats and has experiences that are all very physical, very real, very down to earth. He gets dirt under his fingernails. He hits his hammer on his hand and gets a blood blister, right? He can break a bone. He can smell things that are bad with his roommates. He can taste good things and bad things. The word eternal God becomes flesh and he has a tent, right? A dwelling. And he can put that tent up anywhere and he chooses to put it up among us. This cosmic, eternal, second person of the Trinity who was and is and is to come wrapped himself in the same flesh that we have with all the feelings and thoughts and experiences that we have, all the tastes and smells, the healing and the sweat and the thirst and the hunger, all of those experiences, and he puts up, sets up shop with us. He pitches his tent right next to us. What does this mean? It simply means God moved into your neighborhood. 
and his name is Jesus. It just means that, that God sees you and me in our apartment complex, in our condo, in our subdivision, wherever we live, wherever we breathe, and he's like, I'm moving in. I'm moving into your neighborhood. And think about neighborhoods, right? So most of us in our apartment complex or in our condo, in our region of our world, in our subdivision, typically neighbors have a shared similar experience, a spectrum of shared experience, right? So, so ethnic people live in certain areas together. Economic people live the same economic stripe, kind of live together. Same race, same education, similar style, similar fields, move into similar neighborhoods, apartment complexes, regions, spaces. Neighbors share style, type, color, experience. Neighbors share joys and sorrows. Neighbors have a similar stripe of experience. So when the Bible says Jesus moved in, he pitched a tent among us, the word became flesh. He moves into whatever neighborhood you find yourself into today, without exception. So if in your neighborhood or in your apartment complex, it's dark and dingy, Jesus moved in right there. If you moved into a neighborhood that's all polished up and puts tons of inflatable Christmas junk on your front lawn, Jesus moved in there. If your neighborhood is marked by suffering and your apartment complex is marked by injustice, Jesus moved in there. Wherever humans experience anything, God dwells among us. He set up shop among us. He experienced everything we experience with all the successes of your neighborhood and condo association and all the failures of your condo association, with all the strengths and the weaknesses, the suffering and the injustice, all the good and the bad of wherever you live, he set up shop in your apartment complex. The eternal word of God moved in to our neighborhood and shares every experience we experience except one. Hebrews chapter four tells us, we do not have a high priest, the word of God. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way. So this eternal second person who was and is and was with God in the beginning, takes on flesh and blood, moves into our neighborhood to enter into and experience everything we experience, all the joys and all the struggles he empathizes with and enters into each and every circumstance. And he is tempted in every way as we are. So whatever up you've experienced, the temptations come with success. He's entered into that. Whatever temptations come with failure, whatever temptation comes with poverty, whatever temptation comes with wealth, whatever temptation comes with control or power or hunger or thirst or sadness and heartache and success at work and difficulty in family, he enters into all of it and is tempted as we are. He's just without sin. Just. I don't know about you, but if the guy who moves in next to me or my roommate is perfect, I'm not sure I like that. Right? Think of it. The one who moves into our neighborhood, the one who pitches a tent among us, 
has all our experiences and all our circumstances and all our temptations. He's just without sin. So if you could raise your hand and go, who wants a roommate that's perfect? Right? I don't want a goody two-shoes neighbor, right? Like, that's not who I want. I mean, you didn't cut the grass. Like, your lights are too loud. Music's too loud. Right? I don't want the perfect. Is that a little bit scary? But before you go there and go, man, I'm not sure I want a perfect neighbor, let me tell you something. This neighbor, Jesus, he knows full well what he's doing when he moves in. He isn't surprised. He isn't like, wow, you know what? The way you act, I'm, I'm kind of slumming it and I gotta move into your apartment complex. I could live somewhere else, but I'm choosing to live. No, he's choosing out of love with full knowledge of every single human situation to go, I am choosing to live among you. I'm not grossed out. I'm not slumming it. I'm not bothered by it. It isn't because I couldn't live somewhere else. I'm choosing to live among you. Yes, I'm perfect, but I make a choice to live among you because I love you so much. I am perfect, but I'm choosing to live among you. John goes, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. We have seen his glory. So, so John knows that what he's talking about is pretty big, right? The eternal second person of the Trinity, the one who was with God and is God and carries out the commands of God, shows up and puts on skin and moves in next to us to enter into, he knows that we're going to go like, what, really? Are you kidding me? How does God become flesh and move in and be perfect? How does that work? John's like, I'm going to tell you something. I was a front row seat to this. I saw it. I've seen his glory. I'm an eyewitness, and glory is all the visible grandeur and greatness of God is on display in front of John. He's like, let me tell you about it. And it's, it's almost like this. Um, I, you know, kids do weird things, especially little boys. I have three sons. I mean, they do weird things. For some reason, little boys love running around naked. Right? I, I don't know why, right? And so like one, two, three, four, five, six-year-old boys stripping off their clothes and taking off across the yard, right? Like that's pretty normal. I don't know. Maybe in my house, but in your house. And when someone runs across the room naked, one of the things people go is, well, they are so-and-so in all their glory, right? I mean, don't we say that? Because they're not afraid of showing you everything. And I think that's what John's saying about the eternal God who comes in flesh. He says, this God who I have seen is willing to put on display everything in front of you. He's not going to hide anything. He's not afraid to show you everything. The glory of God is on display. And here you have this guy who for three and a half years has had a roommate named Jesus. He's Jesus' closest earthly friend. And so John had a front row seat to see all the glory of Jesus. Everything. John saw everything that Jesus did and Jesus saw everything that John did. Front row seat to all of it. So that day when Jesus made incredible wine, John tasted it and was like, ooh, look at the legs on that one, right? Like he's going, right? When Jesus takes a little boy's fish and loaves and makes this incredible meal, John tastes that incredible meal and makes a doggy bag for later, right? He's having his front row seat to see Jesus when everyone else is moving away from people that are sick, because they're like, I don't want to get that. 
Jesus is moving towards it. And, and he watches Jesus interact with the strongest and the weakest, the rich and the poor, the politician, the powerful, and those who are struggling. He feels the, the wind blowing in his face and the, the seawater on him. And he's scared when Jesus, and hears with his own eyes, Jesus going, be still when the waters are calmed. He's there when Jesus talks the Sermon on the Mount and he feels his heart burn inside him because he's getting clarity on who God is. He sees Jesus' tears roll down his face at the death of his friend. He has this front row seat to see kids clamor around Jesus in a society that pushed kids away. He had a front row seat to see Jesus treat women with equality in a society that marginalized women. He had a front row seat to see people try to make Jesus into this powerful king when Jesus was a gentle shepherd. He had a front row seat to all of these experiences, including his arrest. He has a front row seat to see nails driven through his hands, front row seat to see Jesus put into a tomb, front row seat to see Jesus walk out of a grave alive, has a front row seat to have breakfast sandwiches with Jesus on the beach after his resurrection. He has a front row seat to hear Jesus Jesus go, hey, John, go tell everyone about me and I'll be with you the entire time. He has a front row seat for the Spirit of God to come on a bunch of scared guys in power and change their lives so that they're willing to give their life for Jesus. He has a front row seat to each and every one of these. And he goes, I've seen his glory. I've seen it with my own eyes. I know you doubt that God can become a man, but I've watched. I've seen the lame walk. I've watched the blind see. I've had lot, seen lives change, including my own. And now John is this old guy, the last one standing and saying, man, I gotta tell you about the word made flesh who dwells among us. And let me tell you how he comes. I'm gonna put on display all his glory because he's gonna come full of grace and truth. Don't be scared, he's saying. You see, Jesus could have come full of a lot of things. He could have been filled up with a lot of things when he showed up. Jesus could have been full of critical, condemning voices. He could have shown up and going, you know, nah, 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 nah. you clean your lawn and you're a jerk. And he could have been criticizing and condemning. That's not who he was. He could have been powerful and prideful. That's not what he came full of. He could have been fun and sarcastic. That's not what he was full of. He came full of two things, grace and truth. And what's unbelievable is I've had a lot of neighbors. None of them have been full of grace and truth. Because usually with neighbors, you're like, well, who's my new neighbor going to be? Usually they're really gracious, but they'll lie to your face. Or they're really harsh and mean about your lawn or about how loud your music is. And they're not kind at all. But someone 100% of the time full of grace and truth, this is Jesus. So this new neighbor who comes, yes, he's perfect, but he's full of grace and truth. And John knows this is hard to imagine. But he's like, don't be scared. I've had a front row seat to see him run across the room in all his glory. Don't be scared. He's full of grace and truth, and he wants to move in. Actually, later on in John's life, he takes up his pen to write something further. In 1 John chapter 1, he says, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, real ears, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at, and our hands have touched. He touched Jesus. We proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. He's 
Like, I want to invite you in this roommate that I had. Jesus saw me, John says, and everything about me, and I saw him and everything about him. And I want to share it with you to make your joy complete. You have a new neighbor. He's full of grace and truth, but you don't have to be afraid. He wants to bring you joy, and there's fellowship and connection when you engage with him. And John and I, when we work through this together, I'm looking at this like John and I talked about it, but like I'm reading the Bible this week and I'm thinking, how do you make this applicable? How does this actually resonate with us in 2023? What does this look like? Because it's so cosmic to think about how Jesus becomes flesh and blood and lives among us full of grace and truth and kind of getting our minds around it. You might go, that's beautiful, but what does it look like? Imagine um, a house plan. You've seen an architect's plan like this. Right, and so there are drawings like this and there's always stairs out front, right? And there's different rooms and different places you can walk. And imagine this is your apartment or imagine this is your house and imagine you get a new neighbor and their house is just like your house. Their apartment is just like your apartment, right? It's like the same neighborhood, so it looks very similar to yours. And there's a set of stairs. So you find out you're getting a new neighbor and this new neighbor that you're getting is annoying because they just keep coming over and knocking on your door. They want to meet you. And you're like looking at your ring doorbell and going, I'm not, I don't know who this guy is. I'm not opening the door. But you keep, this neighbor goes, I want to keep, I want to meet you. I want to meet you. I want to meet you. So you're taking out the garbage and you meet the neighbor and you start talking. Then when you meet a new neighbor, you start talking and you start to get to know someone and you find out more about them and you have a relationship and you interact. And maybe some point when they come to the door, you actually let them into the house and they stand right inside here, right? Like, don't come any further. You can just come in. You can just come in the door. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but your front door is actually meant to be opened and welcome people in, not packages, right? It's not a drop slot. I know, it's, your front door is not a drop slot for packages. It's actually you, like you open it up and there's a person and you say, come in. I mean, that's just, I just little, but imagine your neighbor comes in and you actually have an interaction with them and you talk and you build a relationship. And over time, what happens is you build a relationship, you might invite them into the family room. And you might get to the point where you invite them into the kitchen as you build a relationship over time with your new neighbor. And maybe at some point, your new neighbor becomes like family. And you know when they become like family, they start opening your refrigerator, right? And it's like the relationship grows and your new neighbor, at first you wouldn't even talk to them. And then you let them in the front door. And then all of a sudden they're in the family room and then they're eating your Doritos and drinking a glass of milk, right? And it's like, now you know this person has got a relationship with you over time. I want you to imagine this blueprint is like a blueprint of your heart. And in our hearts, we have all these different rooms and spaces. It's one heart, but there's all these different spaces. When Jesus comes in Christmas, 2,000 years ago, he moves into your neighborhood. Wherever you live, his heart and your heart are alike. He moves into your neighborhood and he's like one of those neighbors that isn't just content to live in your neighborhood. He actually wants to have a relationship with you. And so the Bible says, he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door and lets him in, he comes in and he wants to eat with you and he wants to have a relationship with you and he wants to connect with you. And so maybe this Christmas you've gotten to the point where you're like, maybe this Jesus is someone I should invite into my heart. If he's come full of grace and truth, maybe I can welcome him in. And it's interesting because when we welcome Jesus in, I'm not really good at drawing Jesus. Yeah. 
Like, I think what happens is we invite him into our heart and we go, yeah, I need help. Forgive my sins. And when he comes in, here's what's awesome. He cleans things up and he forgives you and he loves you and he's not grossed out by you and you don't have to clean up before he comes in. He comes into your life and when he comes into your life, he changes everything from the inside out and you were a sinner. Now you're a son or daughter adopted into the family of God. You're in his family forever. You've welcomed him into your heart. And so it's so neat because there's more room in your heart than just the foyer though. And he wants to go into all the different spaces. But a lot of times, many of us have come to know Jesus and we keep Jesus right at the front door. Maybe you haven't, but I have, where I'm just like, Jesus, you know what? Thanks for coming in and forgiving me. Thanks for coming in and changing my life. Thanks for adopting me. But you stay right there because I don't really want you connected to my relationships. I'm not sure I want you involved with my money. My hobbies, those are mine. That's separate from my relationship with you. No way you're getting involved at work. I'm two different people. I'm Joe at work and Joe at home. When the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, like Tim talked about last week, the light of the world shows up and he wants access to every part of our heart and he brings his light and his light does show darkness but it's not scary because he's full of grace and truth. And when he shows you things in all of these different rooms and categories, it's to bring you freedom. It's to bring you peace. It's to bring you joy. It's to untether you from things that are hurting you and harming you. And so it's so interesting for me to keep Jesus at bay and go, don't touch that. Don't look over there. Don't go in that space. You're not welcome over there. And Jesus is like, I want to bring my grace and truth in every spot in your home, in every spot of your heart. Will you let me in? And oh, by the way, I have an attic. What do I have in my attic? I pack up things from the past that I go, someday I'll deal with this another day. Guess what? The Lord of Lords wants access to the things you've done in the past that you've buried that you said, I'll deal with that another day. Things that people hurt you and things you've done wrong that you packed up and put away. Jesus is like, can I, can I go up into the attic? And he wants access to your basement. You know, sometimes people go to dark places to do things that no one else sees and you're making decisions right now in your lifestyle that you know are dark and you're hiding in the basement. You know, Jesus goes, your basement doesn't gross me out. I wanna go into your basement too. I want to walk and bring my light there too in every space and every spot if you'll let me. And you don't have to be afraid. I'm a good roommate and I'll come and bring my grace and truth in all the spaces and places of your heart. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. John's like, I want to tell you about my roommate, Jesus. He comes to dwell among you full of grace and truth. Don't be afraid. Welcome him. And so maybe this Christmas, for the first time, you're welcoming into your life, and you say, come into my heart and change me from the inside out, and he adopts you into his family. Man, maybe this is the best Christmas ever for you. But if you're like me, have you walked Jesus around every corner? Or if there's spaces that you go, not there, Jesus. Your grace and truth can't go there, Jesus. Your light can't go there. Or are you Give him full access because Jesus is a gentleman. He will not barge into any space in your life. He's an invited guest. And so are you inviting him this Christmas into your money? Are you inviting him into your attic? 
Are you inviting him into your basement? Are you inviting him into your relationships? Are you inviting him? And with gentleness and love, he'll walk in and shine his light. It will expose darkness, but it will bring you freedom and joy and peace and patience if you welcome him into those places. I wanna show you this picture. It's actually a picture of the same house. You can barely see this one, but this is a house at night. And this one, there's no lights on. And this one, the lights are all on. Which house are you this Christmas? In the heart of hearts of who you are, is it dark with no light? Is it confusing? Is it dirty? Is it shameful? And Jesus wants to bring his light into that place and he's gentle and kind. He moved into the neighborhood. He wants to come into your house and change you from the inside and bring you light and love. But as you welcome him into your life, it starts to bring light on in the house and each room of the house, not just the front light. Well, leave the front light on as the Christian that goes, I put my hope in Jesus. He's my fire insurance. That's not what he wants. He wants access to every space so that the lights come on in all the different locales so that I'm the same person inside and outside and in the neighborhood and at work and in my hobby everywhere, I am the same. Because, oh, did you know this? There's many of us in America today that claim to be Christians and yet this is what we look like. We go to holiday parties. Which house are you? You have family events. Which house are you? At work, which house are you? The ones with the lights are on and it looks warm and welcoming, come in and meet my house guest Jesus who changed me from the inside out. You're desperately in need. So it's like you're, you're walking down a neighborhood and you see the different types of houses. One's got lights on and one's got lights off. Which one are you at this next Christmas gathering? Lights on with the grace and truth of Christ or lights off? Which one are you? This verse is so incredibly impactful. The word, the eternal person who was and is and is to God, the second person of the Trinity became flesh, bones, sweat, hunger, muscles, tears, taste buds, made his dwelling. He moved into our neighborhood, whatever place you live, wherever you are, to empathize and walk with you through any temptation. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This Christmas, what are you full of? When people see you, Christian, you've been following Jesus for decades. When people see you, Christian, what are you full of? the Christ that came on Christmas 2,000 years ago and moved into our neighborhood is full of grace and truth. Is that what fills up your life? And is that what people see when they interact with you? I hope so. That's the point. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to live among us full of grace and truth. Thank you, that you took on flesh, not to condemn us or criticize us, to not to overpower us, but you were gentle and lowly, moved into our neighborhood of injustice, moved into our neighborhood of poverty, moved into our neighborhood of successes and failures, moved into our workplace and our schools. You moved in 
that you might show us the grace and truth of God. And as people this Christmas, we have a choice to let you in. So I pray today, if there are people listening that have never welcomed you into their lives, I pray today would be the day they'd welcome you into their hearts because you're full of grace and truth. You'll forgive them and clean them up and they don't have to make things better themselves. You do that. God, for many of us, may we let you have access to every corner, to our money, our relationships, our sexuality, our entertainment, our work life, our hobbies, our quiet time. Every space is yours. We welcome you everywhere, every day. This is what it means to follow you. May we be the light of Christ to our neighbors. May we be grace and truth to the people at work and at school. May we be grace and truth to our family members that we don't agree with. May our holiday tables, instead of be places of tension, may they be places of peace and love and joy and grace and truth. May our social media, instead of being places of tension, be places of grace and truth. May everything we do shine the warmth, the goodness, the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that the world may see you came from the Father, full of grace and truth, and you took up residence in us. We yield to you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.